So, you know, as human beings, we have three basic needs. And these are uh, physical, emotional, and spiritual. Okay, those are our basic three, three needs. We need things to eat and sustain us and a, a roof over our heads. We need emotional support. We need relationships. We need people to listen to us and to talk to. And we need spiritual uh, provision. You know, even if you're a hardened atheist, deep down we have a need for the transcendent in our life, for something bigger than us. And so as we look at this scripture today, well, one of the things we're going to see is that God actually provides those three things for us. But before we get into that, I've, I've got to give you a little bit of context for this passage that we read today, because otherwise it's not going to make sense. So I'm going to take us back a chapter to explain what's going on, because we began here with uh, Elijah, this prophet of God, is, is hiding in a cave. All right, so how did he get to that place? I've got to fill you in there first. And so he's hiding in a cave. And the reason he's hiding in a cave, he's actually hiding in fear from a woman called Jezebel. Now, Jezebel was a Phoenician princess who married Ahab. Who's Ahab? Ahab is, is the present king of Israel. And he's not a very good king. He's not walking in the ways of the Lord. He's leading the people astray away from God. And basically, Ahab has, has allowed Jezebel to rule, the, uh, to rule the roost and to influence him into leading the Israelites, into worshipping these, these false gods. And one of these false gods is called Baal. So why is Elijah running for his life? Well, in the previous chapter, we read from 19, but in chapter 18, basically, Elijah has a showdown with 450 prophets of this, this false god Baal who are under the rule of Jezebel. And basically, he challenges them. He gets Ahab and the Israelite people, and he says, okay, if you guys are the real deal, you false prophets, let's, let's each sacrifice a cow, and then we're going to put them on some wood, and if Baal is the real deal, tell him to call down fire and set this, af- set this afire, okay? And I'll do the same thing, and let's see, let's see whose God shows up. And so these false prophets of this, of this uh, false god Baal, they do their thing all day, you know, chanting around the wood and all this kind of thing and praying for fire to come down and nothing, nada. Not even a little spark, nothing. So Elijah goes, okay, my turn. And uh, let's, let's just rub it in a little bit. I'll tell you what, what, would you douse all the wood with water before we do, you know, just to, just to really make it difficult. And so they, they drench the wood in water. And what happens is God Almighty shows up in power. <laughs> Sets the fire aflame. And everybody's like, whoa, there's the real God. So Elijah, you know, it's on cloud nine. Wow, we just saw an amazing uh, show, display of power by the one true God. And of course, word gets back to Jezebel. And oh, by the way, yeah, so Elijah get, has the, these 450 prophets. They are, they are slaughtered. They are killed because they are false prophets. And that was the, the price for false prophets back in those days. Jezebel gets word of this, and she's not too happy. And she says, basically, Elijah, I'm coming for you. So Elijah flees for his life. He's really intimidated and scared by this. And this is where we find Elijah right now in this uh, scripture that we just read. Okay, so when we get to today, we begin with the Lord, and he asks Elijah a question. 
this. The Lord says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And the first thing I want to ask you is, when you, hear, when you read that, when you saw it on the, on the screen, and the Lord says, what are you doing here, Elijah? How did you hear the voice in your head? How did you hear God say that? Right? Because there's a lot to do with intonation there, right? I mean, did you, did you hear him, you know, kind of like, guy, what are you doing here? Huh? What are you doing here? You shouldn't be here. You know, is it, I'm, that was how I've heard it at first, even with like a Boston accent as well. But when I think about it, I think God was really saying it more like this. Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? What's going on? God knows he's hiding in a cave. And why he's hiding in a cave? Because he's God. God knows everything. So he's not asking because he needs to know why Elijah's in the cave. No, God in his infinite wisdom knows that what Elijah needs right now is for someone just to listen to him. Someone just to listen to him. Just to hear him out. To let him share what's bothering him. And you know, earlier in this chapter, God had provided for Elijah's physical needs. Remember I was talking about that just a moment ago. If we back up a little bit to chapter, uh, verses 5 and 6, it says this. Um, Elijah was in the wilderness. And it says, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some baked bread over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. So right there, God was providing for his, his physical needs. But now God, God is providing for his emotional needs. By listening to him. And here's the first thing that we can learn today from this scripture. It's this. We have a God who loves us and listens to us. When we reach out to him, when we talk to him, the little things, the big things, God is always listening to us. And because we have a God who listens, we should be a people that listen. You know, there's not a whole lot of listening going on in the world right now, is there? Have you noticed that? Not a lot of listening going on right now. I was just thinking about this today with, you know, how Congress is, is gridlocked right now, okay? You and I, the regular Joe Schmoes, right? We need some help. And Congress can't seem to pass a bill because they're not listening to one another. The Democrats aren't listening to the Republicans. The Republicans aren't listening to the Democrats. And it's because people aren't listening to one another. Imagine how much more understanding and empathy there would be in the world and so much less anger if we would only listen more than we talk. James chapter 1 verse 19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You know, in my training as a, as a hospital chaplain, um, one of the things they do, one of the, the main things they do is they train you to listen. That is one of the primary roles as a chaplain is to listen. You visit patients who are sick and you listen to them. And one of the things we were taught to do was don't try to give them answers and solve their problems. Listen. 
Don't try to come up with solutions. And that's very hard for a pastor to do because as pastors, that's what we do. People come to us for spiritual advice and what have you, and we try to help them and give them solutions. But as a chaplain, your role is slightly different. And sometimes that's just what we need, isn't it? We just need somebody who will listen to us. Not give us answers necessarily. My wife Sarah says, to, says, says this to me often. Because I'm a fixer, I want to fix things. Sometimes she's talking to me and she just wants to vent. And I start trying to come up with solutions. Well, have you thought about doing this? And you could do this. And she's like, Dan, I don't want you to find an answer. I just want to be able to vent. And you listen. And it's such an important lesson for us that sometimes we should just be listeners and stop trying to fix things. And that can be the, the, most, the best thing you can do to minister to somebody else in your family or one of your friends. But God gives space for Elijah to open up. He says, I'm here, I'm listening. And he gives him space to vent. And vent he does. Listen to what Elijah says again. He says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. He's basically saying, do you, do you realize how hard I've been working for you, God? And this is what I get. He says, the Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with a sword, and I am the only one left. And they're trying to kill me too. Elijah's at his wit's end. He, he's depressed. He's scared. He's frustrated. But you know, not only is he down in the dumps, scared and frustrated, he's also having a bit of a pity party. Right? He's feeling sorry for himself. And what's one of the things that we all tend to do when we're feeling sorry for ourselves? You know what's one of the things we tend to do? Exaggerate. Yeah? We make things sound a little worse than they are because we, we want some sympathy, don't we? We want to, oh. Yeah. No, it's really bad, honestly. No. Oh. You know, there's actually a, a word that was coined last year for this, on, uh, especially as it relates to social media. And it's called sad fishing. That, that's a real word now, sad fishing. And basically, it's a term used to describe people who, who post overly emotional, poor me messages on social media. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah? Because everybody has at least one friend who's the poor me, overly emotional. You know, and you'd be kind of, you're scrolling through your social media and you're like, Oh, here we go. Yeah. Let's, let's see. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right? We've all got one, at least. They're sad fishing because what they're doing is they're fishing for sympathy. And if Elijah were alive today, and he's got his Twitter account and his Facebook account up, I bet he would be twitting on there, I'm the only prophet in Israel left. Just me. Meanwhile, there's this other prophet called Obadiah who's saying, um, excuse me, excuse me, and Elijah's like, I'm the only prophet left in Israel. And Obadiah's saying, um, excuse me, no, actually, I've got 100 of them hidden away that I'm feeding. You're hardly the only prophet left alive in Israel. What am I talking about there? Well, if we go back a chapter, listen to what it says in chapter 18, verse 4. It says, while Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets and hidden them in two caves, 50 in each, and had supplied them with food and water. 
So Elijah's not the only prophet alive, and, and he knew this. But he's fishing for sympathy because he was feeling sorry for himself. And once again, God knows just what Elijah needs. This time, it's not his physical needs. He doesn't need food. It's not his emotional needs. He doesn't need a sympathetic ear. No, this time, what Elijah needs now is for his spiritual needs to be met. He needs to experience some of God's presence. He needs to get some, a little shot in the arm from the Lord. And so we get this amazing couple of verses here, verse 11 and 12, where it says, The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass you. And then it says, Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. A gentle whisper. So what's the Lord doing here? Well, essentially, he's, what he did was he gave Elijah a show by earth, wind, and fire. Great band. He gave the wind, the earthquake, the fire, and finally that gentle, small, that whisper, or as the King James Version says, that still small voice. Now, why did God do all that? Why, did, why, why the wind, the earthquake, the fire? Because clearly God was the one making that happen, right? It says God wasn't in those, but they were, they were caused by God. Why all that? And then the gentle whisper. Because God is saying, I could have appeared to you as any of those things, as wind, fire, earthquakes. In fact, the Lord has manifested himself like that. But instead, God is revealing himself in a gentle whisper. He's showing Elijah and he's showing us too that you never know how God is going to reveal himself and show his presence to you. You realize that? You can't put God in a box. And that's what the Lord is showing Elijah here and us too. You can't put God in a box. He's not a predictable God. And Elijah has put God in a box. He was used to God showing up in powerful ways. He'd just seen him set this uh, sacrifice on fire. And now God's saying, don't put me in a box. You know what many of us do though, don't we? We, we, We all have our boxes that we like to put God in where we essentially, what we do is we create a God that we find agreeable to us. Yeah? A God who likes all the things we like, thinks the way we do, has a political, same political views as us, same views about social issues, um, and a God that never challenges us, that never disagrees with us. A God that fits our idea of what, good, of what God should be like. You know, folks, that's no God at all. That's a God we've created in our own image. And here's the problem. When you put God in a box, a box that we've created, you know what one of the things that can do is it can set us up for disappointment. Because God does not always act or respond or work in the ways that we want him to. Have you ever felt disappointed in God? 
We've been praying and praying for something to happen, and it's not happened. And you're like, God, I don't understand this. Why are you doing this? If this was me, I would have done this. Why? He doesn't always act and respond the ways we want. And what's careful is if we've got this boxed-in idea of God, then we can become bitter towards God when he doesn't do what we want him to. And it's because you put God in a box. You know, the fact is, though, that God does reveal himself in many different ways. And you know what? This is one of the reasons why being part of a church community is so important. Whether you're here today in person or you're watching from online, church community is so important. You know, if you're one of these Christians who says, ah, you know, I, I don't need church. I don't need to go to church. You know, I've got, I've got, you know, my relationship with God and I've got my Bible and I can watch sermons online. I'm all set. You're not getting it. You're not getting it. Because if you're not part of a church community, you'll, you'll never get a deeper picture and understanding of who God is. Why? Because one of the ways God reveals himself is through his church. It's through community. It's through his people. We see parts of God's love and character and faithfulness through other people. Yeah, when we offer encouragements to one another or when we just grieve with somebody after they've lost a loved one, do you know what? They're, they're, get, they're seeing parts of the Lord that you would never see otherwise if it was just you and your Bible and your bedroom. Another reason God showed up as a gentle whisper is to remind us that more often than not, God's presence is not found in the extraordinary. It's found in the ordinary. Everyday life. You know, often we can get caught up in this idea of always looking for some dramatic and earth-shattering move of God. And yes, God acts like that sometimes. But you know, we, we want the spectacular and the supernatural. And if we're not careful... That can have us looking for God in all the wrong places. And again, getting disappointed when we don't see that miracle we've been praying for. When we don't see that person healed. Often we say, just give me a sign and I'll believe. Often people who are searching for God will say that. Just give me a sign. Just, just show me something so I know you're real. You know, even skeptics say the same thing. I've talked to skeptics who don't believe in the God. And they're like, you know, if God exists, why doesn't he just make it obvious? Huh? Just, just give us a sign. And you know, the people in Jesus' day were no different. They said to Jesus, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? They're asking the same thing. But you know what Jesus says elsewhere? He says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. There's a place of faith that we have to come to with God. That he's not going to give us all the answers in this life. But we have to trust him because he's God and God knows best. Often God does not work in ways we expect. And again, if we're always looking for that spectacular, dramatic, then you know what can happen is we can fail to appreciate how God is at work in our everyday lives. We can miss the little things. We can miss the small stuff, the gentle whispers throughout the day. 
And you know what that is? That's a reminder for us all to slow down. Slow down. To quiet ourselves. To be still and to know that he is God. Because you know, if we're constantly go, 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 go. Busy, 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 busy. How are you going to hear that gentle whisper? How are you going to hear that still small voice? It's going to be drowned out by the hustle and bustle. And you know, I, I think one of the unexpected blessings of this pandemic, or plague as I like to call it, one of the unexpected blessings is that we've all had to slow down a bit, haven't we? Right? I, I was talking with a bunch of kids uh, doing an online summer camp a few weeks ago, a music theater summer camp. And one of the things we would ask kids at the end of the day, we'd, we'd, spend like a, we'd have a sharing circle for about half an hour, about 12 kids. And the question I asked them was, what has been an unexpected blessing for you in this pandemic? And nearly all the kids said, my dad's home more often, or I get to see more of my mum. We spend more time together. We're having family meals together. You know, these kind of things, right? And it's because everybody's had to slow down. It's been like a forced Sabbath. And it's no different here. We should try and take what we can learn from this pandemic. And once we're through this, and I believe we'll get through it, let's not forget the joys that were found in slowing down a little bit. Some people are more interested. They want to know more about God now. We've had so many views online, you know, since this pandemic began. But we'll miss that small, that gentle whisper if we're busy all the time. Eugene Peterson, who is a a pastor and an author, uh, he said this, quote, Busyness is the enemy of spirituality. It is essentially laziness. It is doing the easy thing instead of the hard thing. It's filling our time with our own actions instead of paying attention to God's actions. And it is really easy to do that, isn't it? Just fill your life with me. It's all about me. I'm going to do my thing. What about God? What about God? But you know that quote, it's a reminder that God is a God of action. And God has acted in history. He's acted by sending his one and only true son, Jesus Christ, to repair and to redeem our broken relationship with God. How does God do this? Well, God doesn't do this in the way that we would do it with our boxed-in God. God doesn't do it in our way with our preconceived ideas of what an all-powerful God should do. But no, God does it in the unexpected way of a helpless baby becoming one of us. God does it in the humiliating and shameful way of the cross. And finally, God does it in the startling and dazzling work of the resurrection. Victory over death. That's, that's the spectacular and dramatic miracle you've been looking for. God already done it. He did it 2,000 years ago in Calvary. So what can we learn from today? I'm going to give you five. Five. I know it's a lot. I'm only, normally three, but I'm two bonus points today. Firstly, number one, we have a God who provides for our physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. He's interested in you. He loves you, and he's listening. That's my second point. Our God is a God who listens. And so we should be a people who listen. 
Number three, don't put God in a box. By doing that, you can often set yourself up for disappointment. And you'll also miss God in the ordinary. Number four, to hear God's gentle whisper, you have to cut down on the busyness in your life. Otherwise, you can miss the daily ways that God blesses you. And lastly, number five, we have a God that is always thinking outside the box, who's always working outside of the box. And that's exactly what he did when he became one of us, gave himself up for us to redeem the world. It's probably not how we would have gone about saving the world, but that's why he is God and we are not. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are a God who thinks outside the box, that you don't think like we do. Thank you, Lord, that it's not up to us to save the world. And I ask this week as we go forward, Lord, that we would be more listeners than talkers, that we would find more time to spend with you, that we would be less busy. Bless us, Lord, as we try to seek you. And I pray that we would, we would feel your presence more this week, just like Elijah did. Thank you that you provide for everything we need, be it physical, emotional, or spiritual. And help us to always lean in on you because we know we can trust you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.